Welcome to Exaltation. This is Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true. Scripture today is Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Very soon, Christians around the world will celebrate Palm Sunday. What does Palm Sunday mean? Palm Sunday announces the meaning of victory as the triumph of the kingdom of God. It is the acceptance by the world of its true king, Jesus Christ. In the life of Jesus, the solemn entrance into the holy city of Jerusalem was the only visible triumph. Up until that day, he consistently rejected all attempts of the people to glorify him. But six days before Passover, he not only accepted the opportunity to be glorified, he himself provoked and arranged this glorification by doing what the prophet Zechariah announced. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee, lowly and riding upon an ass. Zechariah 9.9 Jesus made it clear that he wanted to be acclaimed and acknowledged as the Messiah, the King and Redeemer of Israel. All the Gospel narratives stress these same messianic features, the riding on a donkey, the palm branches waving, the cry from the crowd, Hosanna to the Son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The history of the people of Israel is now coming to its end. Such is the meaning of this event, for the purpose of that history was to announce and prepare people for the kingdom of God, the coming of the Messiah. Now this event is fulfilled. 
For the king himself enters the holy city, and in him all prophecies and all expectations find their fulfillment. Jesus inaugurates his kingdom. During the celebration of Palm Sunday, we wave palm branches in our hands and identify ourselves with the people of Jerusalem. Together with them, we greet the lowly king, singing Hosanna to him. But what is the meaning of this event for us today? First, it is our confession of Jesus Christ as our King and Lord. We need to remember that the kingdom of God has already come. It has already been inaugurated on the day of our Christian baptism when we were made citizens of God's kingdom. In our baptism, we promise to put our loyalty to Jesus above all other loyalties. It was only for a few hours that Christ was indeed king on the earth and in only one city in the land of Israel. But the spiritual kingdom inaugurated in Jerusalem is a universal kingdom, embracing all men and the totality of creation. Jesus' royal entrance into Jerusalem was the hour of fulfillment by God of all his promises and decisions. It came at the end of the entire process of preparation revealed in the Old Testament. It was the end of all that God had planned to do for men. Therefore, this short hour of Christ's earthly triumph as he is proclaimed king acquires an eternal meaning. It introduces the reality of the kingdom of God into time, into all hours, and makes the kingdom of God the meaning of time and its ultimate goal. Therefore, it is the kingdom of Christ in this world that judges and transforms all human history. At the solemn moment when you hold a palm branch in your hand, you are confessing that Jesus Christ is king, and his kingdom is the ultimate meaning and content of your life. You are saying that everything in your life and in the world belongs to Christ the King. He is the Lord. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. Nothing can be taken away from Jesus, for there is no area of life in which he does not rule, save, and redeem. We must see this truth. This is the wonderful and symbolic meaning of Palm Sunday. We know, however, that the king whom the Jews acclaimed in 32 AD and whom we today acclaim on Palm Sunday is on his way to the cross. His short moment of triumph is only the prelude to his sacrifice for us. The palm branches we hold in our hands signify our readiness and willingness to follow Jesus on his sacrificial way and our acceptance of sacrifice and self-denial as the only royal way into the kingdom. Finally, the palm branches and the Palm Sunday worship proclaims our faith in the final victory of Christ. His spiritual kingdom is yet hidden and the world ignores it. The world today lives as if the decisive event of Jesus' coming had never taken place, as if God had not died on the cross and man in him was not risen from the dead. But we as Christians believe in the coming of the kingdom in which God will be all in all, and Christ will be the only true king. It is the purpose of Sunday worship to remember events of the past. 
But the whole meaning and power of the worship liturgy is that it transforms remembrance into reality. On Palm Sunday, this reality is our own involvement in and our responsibility to the kingdom of God. Let that truth sink in, beloved. The meaning of Palm Sunday is that you are committing yourself to be involved in the kingdom of God, to live in it, and to obey the King Jesus. Now listen. Christ does not enter into Jerusalem anymore. He did it once for all. He does not continually die on the cross. He did this once and for all. Now he desires from us a real acceptance of the kingdom which he brought to us. Therefore, if we are not ready to stand by the solemn oath which we renew every year on Palm Sunday, if we do not mean to make the kingdom of God the measure of our whole life, then our worship is meaningless and we have lost the true meaning of Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday also begins the most important week of the entire church year because in the events of Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, and Easter Sunday, the Lord Jesus accomplished God's work of salvation. Dying, he destroyed the power of death, and rising, he opened the door to eternal life to those who believe upon him. Jesus foretold his death in John 12, 24. He said, Truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains just a grain of wheat. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. He was speaking about his own death on the cross. He was speaking about the events of Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, and Easter Sunday. Jesus came to earth to die. But then Jesus turns and says to his disciples, If you want to follow after me, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. What this means is saying no to ourselves. It means saying no to our natural love of ease and comfort. It means saying no to the desires and longings which prompt us to indulge in forbidden things. It means saying no to every course of action based on self-seeking and self-will. How do we do that? Not in our own strength, because on our own we will always follow the path of selfishness and self-will. We must turn to Jesus and follow his example during this Passion Week. Look at our Bible passage in Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Jesus Christ is fully God and fully man. This is the mystery of the Incarnation, the God-man Jesus Christ. Christ disrobed or divested himself of his divine appearance in order to take upon himself the form of a servant. He laid aside the appearance and attributes of his divinity to visit us as a man. 
So what does verse 5 of Philippians chapter 2 mean? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let's define the mind of Christ. First, the mind of Christ is the mind of love, the love of God's self-sacrificial love. God is love. Christ is love. The message of the cross is love. Beloved, ignore the world's definition of love. It is wrong-headed and misleading. The world shows you images of passion and romance in books and movies and says, this is love. It is a lie. Most of what books and movies show you is infatuation and lust. God takes you to the foot of a tree on which a naked and bloodied man hangs and says, this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his only son to be the propitiation, the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Do you want to know love? Look at Jesus Christ dying on the cross. That is love. That is the ultimate standard and expression of love for you. Second, the mind of Christ looked always and only to obey the will of his heavenly Father. Therefore, if we are to take upon ourselves the mind of Christ, we must let love be the master of our life. Love must be the ultimate reason for everything we say and do. And then we must seek to obey the will of our Heavenly Father, even as our Lord Jesus constantly obeyed His Father. Third, the mind of Christ was also a cross-focused mind. Jesus always saw the cross as the goal of his ministry. Jesus knew that the deep sickness of humanity could only be healed by the mystery of sacrifice and suffering, death and bloodshed. He accepted the cross as the master plan of God's wisdom from all eternity, even though unbelieving men still mock the cross and call it foolishness. Oswald Chambers says, Heaven is constantly interested in the cross of Christ. Hell is afraid of it, while men are the only ones to ignore its meaning.
You are listening to Exaltation. I'm Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true, heralding the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ so that we may experience life in Him. Let's continue our lesson. The mind of Jesus was focused like a laser beam upon the cross, and he had to obey the path to the cross against the opposition of both his enemies and his friends. His enemies suggested that there was an easier way to heal the need of humanity. He could simply reveal himself as king of all and rule over the hearts of men. His friends kept telling him to spare himself, to go easy. Take a break, Jesus. Go home and rest. You don't need to always be about the business of the cross. How do we put on the mind of Christ? By looking very closely at Jesus during Passion Week. By seeing in our imagination his great love and humility. We become what we look at. We become what we worship. We don't fit Jesus into our day. We build our day around Jesus. The more we look at Jesus and love Jesus, the more we will change from within. We will slowly take on board the attitude and mind of Christ. And what was the overriding virtue of Jesus? love, and humility. Every movement in the story of Holy Week reveals the indescribably beautiful love and humility of the Lord Jesus. In the words of the hymn writer, Fulfilled is all his words foretold, then spread the banners and unfold, love's crowning power that all may see, he reigns and triumphs from the tree. Is this really true? Did our Lord Jesus reign in triumph from the cross? Yes, he did. Because beyond the cross is Easter morning, resurrection life, and the reign of God's power. After the cross came the victory and joy of triumph. Don't miss the glory of verse 8 to 11 of our passage. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus suffered the agony of the cross, died and rose again in triumph. If we want to share in the triumph of Christ, we must have his mind. We must let the mind of Christ have its way in us by yielding our wills to his will. We must give up our own calculations and self-preservations and abandon ourselves to love, follow, and serve Christ Jesus alone. Jesus and his kingdom have truly come. 
His call is for man to be completely shaped and formed by the seeking of his kingdom. One godly man writes, The object of the Christian's vision is at every moment to be the kingdom of God. Often the kingdom of God is taken as a kind of backdrop by which one can give a Christian flavor to the present. I shall do such and such now because such an act is loving and the kingdom of God is a kingdom of love. Or, I shall seek this good now rather than that good because God's kingdom focuses on such aims. Now certainly this is better than not taking account at all of the kingdom, but the Christian life demands much more than this. Jesus does not say, when you consider this life, Remember also the kingdom, and let it inform what you seek. Rather, Jesus commands, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Only after he has given this sole and primary focus to our lives does he add, And all these things will be added unto you. The focus of every deliberation of every act, of every thought and movement of the heart is to be God's righteousness, which flows forth and makes accessible this kingdom. Any aspect of life which is focused otherwise, which takes as its compass and measure something other than this struggle towards the kingdom, is to be regarded as part of the old life of the old man. Such things bind us to what is fleeting, while Christ has come to call us to what is eternal. How many of our choices in life are made based on consideration of existence defined solely as life between birth and the grave? We struggle after benefits of health that will add a few days to this life, for we consider death to be the final end. This limited vision traps the human person into the present life and separates us from the true calling of our eternal home. We make our determinations based on the short scope of this life and its comforts. And while we acknowledge the kingdom of God, we do so in a manner that sets it as a second thing after the affairs of this life. Therefore, the Christian must rise up and reclaim a vision of the kingdom of Christ and orient his whole life towards it. Every thought, every action must be steeped in the vision to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Beloved, our outlook must always be away from this world to the deeper, richer, fuller world of Jesus and his eternal kingdom. We must seek to live our Christian lives like the early Christians described by an anonymous second-century writer. He says the Christians are distinguished from other men neither by country nor language nor the customs which they observe. They do not lead a way of life marked out by any worldly attribute, but they display to us their wonderful and striking manner of life. They dwell in their own countries, but as sojourners. They are in the flesh, but they do not live after the flesh. They pass their days on earth, but they are citizens of heaven. They love all men, though they are persecuted by all. They are unknown yet condemned. 
They are put to death, yet restored to life. They are poor, yet they make many rich. They are dishonored, yet in their very dishonor, they are glorified. Every choice, every action must be considered from the perspective of Christ and his kingdom and our future life and eternity with him. When we do not act this way, we reduce our choices and behaviors to the limited perspective of this brief earthly life. Beloved listener, do you love Jesus? Do you really love him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? Do you long to live in the fullness of his kingdom where his will is done? Do you seek to follow his pattern of love and humble obedience? Let us gladly leave the distractions of this world and enter into the joy of the true King and the good of His kingdom. Amen. Let's pray together. Gracious God, open our eyes and enter our minds by Your Holy Spirit. Teach us the true meaning of Palm Sunday and its focus on Your kingdom. Show us how to live in the triumph of your kingdom. Give us your mind, your love, your humility, King Jesus, and live your kingdom through us today and every day. Amen. Blessed is our God always, now, and ever, and unto ages of ages. God is the Lord and has revealed himself unto us. O come, let us magnify our Lord Jesus Christ with gladness, lifting up our palm branches, crying aloud unto him, saying, Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. been listening to the program Exaltation. I'm Father David Masterson with Godet Ministries. You may reach us on the web at godetministries.org. That's G-A-U-D-E-T-E ministries.org. This gospel outreach is entirely listener supported. Please help us proclaim the gospel on the radio to a needy world. You may donate online at our website. Your gift, large or small, is gratefully appreciated. Until next time, may God richly bless you with this word of encouragement from the prophet Isaiah. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not faint. <laughs>